Good morning, good morning, good morning, Pastor Brian here. This is Stories of Hope. We've actually took a, a couple of weeks off from Stories of Hope, but we are back and we are better than ever. And this morning we have a treat for you. Uh, we have been uh, we've been working on a few things here at Hope Covenant. We have been adjusting and we have been uh, focused on uh, new ways to reach new people with the hope of the gospel. And in this crazy season that we're in, we've moved to a uh, an online format, as you all have uh, noticed. And in the process, we have uh, brought on a new staff member. So this morning, we thought it'd be a great opportunity to meet Mitchell Barnhart, who is our now uh, director of uh, creative technology ministry. And so, uh, Mitchell, this morning is our um, is our stories of hope. So welcome this morning, Mitchell. Thank you. It's uh been a pleasure to be a part of Hope Live and creative tech and stuff for the last couple months, and it's a pleasure to be on Stories of Hope today. So we're going to, uh, our goal this morning is to uh, learn more of your story, okay. and then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're going to do. So again, this is a way for us to continue to kind of tell uh, good stories and what's happening here at Hope, especially when... We're not here all together on a Sunday morning. Right. So, uh, so I'm going to use a couple uh, questions that typically have uh, come through our stories of hope, and then I may rift on a few other uh, questions as the Spirit leads. So, Mitchell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us a little bit of biographical background, uh, where you're from, and uh, tell us a little bit about your family. So my, uh, my dad... Well, my parents met at a uh, Christian camp in southeast Minnesota when they were teenagers, and then they were familiar with each other, and then they were dating. What, what was the name of that camp, by the way? Camp Victory. Camp Victory. And where it is that located? Now it's in Zumbro Falls. When they first started going as kids, it was in Mankato. Got it. Um, and so my mom had a thing for my dad when she was like 13, and then that didn't really go away. And then they started dating when she was in high school and my dad was starting college, and there's a two year difference between them, I think. So then she went to Winona state where my dad was also going to Winona state and she was going to get her MRS degree. And then, uh, she got it after my dad graduated and they had me a couple of years later. And then they both felt the call of the spirit to go be missionaries in mm. somewhere and through more discernment and research and decision-making, they landed on going to Ukraine. And so me and my, my little brother, I was like one and a half, and he was a few months old at the time, went over and moved there and started doing ministry. I mean, I wasn't. I was just kind of along for the ride. But uh, my dad started working with uh, the Bible college ministry to try to rebuild the pastor population that had been really mm -hmm. decimated by Stalin's mm -hmm. uh, Soviet Union. So we were there for, for that purpose, and my dad continued on that front and was eventually the regional director for Bible college ministries and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then in 2007, my mom found a lump under her arm and went back to her hometown of Rochester, Minnesota, to uh, the Mayo Clinic to try to see what's going on and if it's just kind of a fluke or if there's something going on. And about a week later, we were we my me and my siblings were notified that uh, it was cancer, it was breast mm -hmm. cancer, and uh, need, so she did a biopsy and they found it in enough lymph nodes of and it was the spread was wide enough that we needed to come home. Mm -hmm. So we pulled off a miraculous three day turnaround and were able to pack up almost everything we needed and went home and uh, were received really well by my my mom's home church of Calvary Evangelical Free Church, and they really took us in and 
So then my mom beat round one, and my dad became uh, the executive pastor at Calvary. He eventually uh, took on the lead pastor role after the former lead pastor moved on to a different place. And then, <coughs> excuse me, in, uh, in 2012, I think, or 2013, she found another lump, mm. and the cancer had uh, metastasized, which means it's a terminal diagnosis that the immune system can't actually play ball with the cancer. So, um, yeah, so then a couple years later, she passed away in 2015, and that was my that was my junior year, end of my junior year of high school. Um, I was going to the best high school in Rochester, Minnesota, John Marshall High School, Go Rockets. Some would argue the validity of that statement, but so far you're doing pretty well. <laughs> and uh, so I, I grew up there, and um, and then, yeah, so dealing with that was, was really hard, obviously, but my dad was, it was and is a fantastic father. And, you know, he, he and my mom both held down this message of we're going to stick together, we're going to, we're going to, not give up on each other and not separate and we're gonna we're gonna get through this and um yeah it was just it was really cool my parents helped all of us with uh with the grief process and and going through things and they didn't really shy away from stuff they would they would go right at it and talk about it so so uh they yeah and uh i'm sorry i got off track so then i went to st cloud state for uh, a degree in journalism, which ended up getting a little bit more of a focus in television production. I got involved with the news uh, department there, started producing and doing news television, got involved with Husky Productions, which is the broadcast for all the home games for the men's hockey team. And that really developed this love for uh, media and and production and presenting stuff in fascinating and exciting and entertaining ways that people can enjoy and can communicate emotion through that that mm-hmm. format. And then uh, right before my junior year of college, Rachel Lassen messaged me on Facebook because she knew I did stuff with crew and really needed male volunteer youth leaders. And so I we talked, and I had never really interacted with the Covenant as a denomination. And, uh, you know, it was really good for my faith to look into different denominations than just the evangelical that I'd been raised in. And... Um, yeah, so I did I did youth leaders for, for a year, and then my senior year just felt like I couldn't bring mm-hmm. in a good faith investment. And, uh, you know, finished out my senior year, just ended last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've got a couple classes to clean up before I actually get the piece of paper, but for all intents and purposes, I'm done with school. Yeah. And uh, a couple months ago, as, as many of the listeners will know, and as you know, uh, Rachel sent out an SOS to me <laughs> and Caleb for some help with the live stream, and... Honestly, I just kind of got, I don't know, fell in love is kind of a weird term, but I just i just really got passionate about making this a, a big thing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I attached on, I think, a lot to your vision for what we can do with the space mm-hmm. and with the resources at hand. Right. And, yeah, so it was originally just going to be this is a thing we're going to, pour into this ministry and Caleb and I are going to kind of earn our keep as far as having a place to do our schoolwork and continue to participate in ministry and not go stir crazy in our apartment. And then at the end of the season, I'll go work at some television station somewhere and Caleb will go on to his education or his, uh, his employment future. And it will have been a brief, but very sweet time in the sun and time in ministry. 
And then Rachel goes, hey, what do you think about the idea of, like, working here? Mm. And I was like, I mean, I like the idea. It's cool. <laughs> There's a lot of details that have to get figured out, but yep. it's all right. Um, I definitely don't want to shut it down. I also don't want to sign it right now. And mm. through a lot of discernment and talks with my dad, um, who is now the lead pastor at a different church, also named Calvary Evangelical Free Church, um, you know, he had a lot of insight for me. A lot of my mentors have through this season. So I was, you know, thinking and praying and trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. And for a lot of my TV friends and a lot of my more, I don't know, worldly, it has like a negative connotation, but just people that are more focused on things that are not of ministry or not mm -hmm. of a kingdom context are um, wondering what I'm doing and right. why, why I'm doing it. Yep. And I think that it's a really exciting thing to do at all but mm -hmm. then especially this marriage of my production passions and i think it's safe to say a, a heart for ministry that while may have been dormant for a few years is definitely th there yep. and uh yeah my my dad shared a quote from andy stanley that mm -hmm. says uh uh it's, it's andy stanley saying quote if i ever get a pastor's kid who applies to work for me if they're able to do the job I take them because if they can look at the good, bad, and ugly of the church as a kid and then come back and work in it, then I want them. And that, my dad was not using that to try to convince me, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not to cast a pall over every church or anything, but my dad said, there's, there's a pastor's heart down there, whether it was yeah. just me rubbing off on you or you for real or whatever, the Lord's got this this year in front of you, and yeah. then you'll figure it out when you figure it out. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things there. I mean, for me, I mean, it was very clear early on that I saw, I mean, it was, I wouldn't say it was easy to tell that you're a PK, but there were certain telltale signs. But, but even beyond that, I think that there was this element of there is a brooding call to ministry in there. How that manifests itself, I think, is still a story that is in the process of being written. Yeah. Um, one other quick comment, too. Uh, you know, I think that we, you know, one of the benefits, hopefully, of spending as much time as we've had together is in part to realize that your free church background uh, has many connections to the ECC as well. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the free church and the covenant church, when they came over from Europe, were, were one. Yeah. And there was a, a lot of shared identity there. And so uh, we look at our free church uh, brethren as, as pretty close uh, relatives to... Uh, to who we are. Yeah, when when I was going through that with Rachel, the only reason that I was going through the difference was because I never really even dug yep. into what the covenant's about. But then once we got talking about it and looking at a little bit of materials and stuff, I was like, oh, this is not a very far jump from right. from Ephri to right. to covenant. I don't know if this is would you would consider this your defining moment. You talked about your process of of kind of being with your mom as she passes. Um, so again, I'll ask the question: uh, what, what was or is some of your defining moments? I uh, this is going to sound possibly backhandedly arrogant, but I feel like I have several, and they all like defined different parts of me. I guess um, a defining moment, like or more defining like process that I watched happen was like I, well, understandably, I think because of everything going on with my mom that I naturally have some some pre-existing trust and faith issues with the Lord that are his and mine mm -hmm. to to his and mine to hash out um but 
you also can't really get around a good testimony. Mm-hmm. And so my dad really lived out a testimony right in front of us that the last three to six months of my mom's life were not pretty and not easy and were, were you know, there were sweet spots and, and, mm-hmm. and moments in the sun, but a lot of it was just gut-wrenching and hard. And my dad just didn't give up. I mean, the, the goal was never to try to cure her of it. The goal was to try to make it as smooth an exit as possible. Mm-hmm. So that was more the vision that m- my parents had set out that my dad attached to once my mom got to a state where she wasn't really there uh, as much as she had been. And my dad was still sticking to his vows and still sticking to his, his love for my mom. And, and then this is going to sound possibly weird, but even now he, so a couple of years after my mom passed away, um, God brought a woman named Rebecca into our life and my parents started dating her and my dad started dating and got married. And so even now it's cool to watch the vision that my, cause my mom wanted my dad to get remarried if it was mm. the right type of thing. And she didn't want him to just be alone for the rest of his life. And they had this concept of, you know, my mom was the wife of my dad's youth, but God will bring another companion in even through this more broken situation. So to watch my dad continue to be the exact same man and to live these same marriage ideals and to, you know, he and I were both had girlfriends at the same time when I was in high school. So we would have those kinds of conversations and I would go to him for advice and we would talk about stuff. And so I guess what I'm saying is that like watching my dad be a husband at varying phases of both of his marriages has been really powerful for me to learn how I want to be in, in Lord willing my marriage someday. And yeah, that's, that's a big one. Um, and then I think the one I'll go with for now, I think is, uh, in the, so our church did a lot of mission trips to the Dominican Republic. Mm. And so on my second trip, we went every other year. So on my second trip in between my junior and senior years of high school, which was right after my mom had died, like a few months after, uh, our our pastor who was leading the trip asked me to preach on mm. a Sunday. We were going to be there for two weekends, um, or over the span of two weekends, and he he asked me to preach, and I was like, okay, for sure. And uh, so Caleb and I were on that trip together, and we were in my room, and I was getting ready on a Saturday night, and I don't even remember what my sermon was because it was bad, and it was it was really focused on a topic that I had kind of thought was cool, but it was a lot of me leading the way on what to teach. And it was not a lot of the spirit. And I was frustrated because I didn't know how to wrap this thing up. And Caleb asked me, what's going on, man? I'm like, this sermon just sucks. This sermon just is not there. And he goes, well, then don't give that sermon. Give it, give a different sermon. Hmm. And then that night, the Holy Spirit gave me a sermon that was just a glorified testimony. I went through John 3 16 with that, uh, you know how you break it down that like for God so loved the world and you mm-hmm. break down the whole gospel and then so I broke that down with a lot of a lot more scriptural backing than just the one verse and then talked about how I saw it for real and then I got to give that sermon on a Sunday morning at a church in our central town and then I got to give it at the church that my mom helped build on she was on the first DR trip that ever went from that church so wow. she helped build this church and I got to come preach and yeah. at the end the pastor of that church comes up and goes, 20 years ago, God gave us a church to preach in. And 20 years later, he's given us a preacher. Mm. And yeah, so that was just a really powerful moment for me. Yeah. And yeah, I just, that, that's one that sticks out just that maybe ministry is not just like the backdrop for what I grew up in, that this I can actually do this thing and I don't have to just wear that 
right. that hat. Because for pastors' kids and missionary kids, there can be a lot of, I don't know, imposter syndrome might be too strong, but just this kind of like you put on a certain hat when you're in a certain mode or context. Mm -hmm. And for me, I always wondered if that's actually me or if that's just one of the masks that I wear. And so to see that come through for real was really big. Yeah. And I would argue, too, that that idea of of putting on particular hats or understanding what environment you're in, I think it goes beyond just the uh, the PK, MK role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yes, it, it definitely is pronounced uh, for, and that's why, yeah, and again, when we think about our own kids, we try to, to create as few um, additional expectations when they yeah. when they come into a church, so that they can feel somewhat as normal as they can be, knowing the circumstances. Yeah. When you, um, Mitchell, when you, uh, if you were to go, let's say, how old are you now? I'm twenty-two. Twenty-two. So let's say the twenty-two-year-old has a chance to meet up with the fifteen-year-old version of Mitchell or the thirteen-year-old uh, version of Mitchell. Yeah. What would you whisper uh, into the 13 to 15-year-old version of you that would have been helpful for that person or that part of you, that age of you, to, uh, as you continue to kind of move through adolescence? So many things. I, so many things that I wish I, I would have known. I, um, As I'm thinking and putting this thought together, I realize that it's going to sound a lot like what Keith Kruger said in his Stories mm. of Hope, but I... I love to just do things. I have, a, I have an, an achiever mindset, which doesn't mean I always am successful in what I'm going for, but I just love to complete tasks. Um, there are several asterisks on that that I could go into later, but uh, I really caught myself through middle school so that the kind of 13 age range into, into the 15-year-old age range is, uh, it was a pattern of like, I'm going to fight through this day because I'm really excited about the next thing and, and really hyping up and glorifying what the next thing is going to be. And I'd get to it and be disappointed and then go, well, at least I have this next thing to look forward to. And, and it was that. And I just flew through a lot of time without really being present, which is still a trait that I have to work on and, and remember to be present for, you know, even today. That's not, I haven't outgrown that. Uh, the only change has been that I'm aware that I do that now. So I wish I could just point out to young Mitchell to say, Hey man, these situations, yes, they're not utopic. They're not perfect. But you're going to look back and wish you remembered things, but you're so focused on just blazing through to the next thing that mm -hmm. there's there's little things that you're missing, that you're walking past. And even now, that that's not a huge source of, like, pain or, or you know, difficulty now. But I just wish that I could have a couple more little snapshots of what's going on or I could feel like I was more grounded in that time because I mm -hmm. think that there was some development that I probably just skipped because I was so excited to get through and be a mm -hmm. be an eighth grader or be in high school or whatever mm -hmm. versus now I'm looking back I'm like there's not a whole lot of difference between sixth or seventh grade or mm -hmm. you know there, there's not a lot that I was really getting to there's no real mountaintop over there so yeah I think that's yeah. probably what I'd say I remember, uh, so I graduated from um, the better of the high schools in Rochester, Minnesota. Again, that's a debatable statement. It, it, well, for some, um, debatable. For others, known fact. And I, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I remember um, graduating from high school. There was a senior party that night. I hemmed and hawed if I wanted to go to that. I mean, I knew I didn't really want to go to it, but I, I kind of forced myself to go. And... I knew I had already left for summer camp on staff at Lake Beauty, 
and I knew that the very next, so I came back for graduation, and then I knew the very next day after the senior party, I was going back to camp. And for me, it was an issue of how quickly can I move on from this? Mm. How quickly can I get to that next phase of my life? Yeah. And summer camp, uh, being on staff, being at Lake Beauty, uh, those are such important markers for me to, to move into. And uh, I look back and I think I moved probably too quickly through this. Yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't present enough um, to the point where I just don't, I don't really connect with any of those, that high school. Cause again, I was, just, I was moving through, I was moving on to the next thing. So I can really, I can really resonate with that. Mitchell, let's talk a little bit more about your role here uh, now. And I think that's what people are also kind of curious about too, yeah. is, so what does technology mean uh, for the Ministry of Hope? And so there's a couple kind of leading questions that I'll, I'll give for you. You and I have had this conversation that when I arrived here, I was already getting the push to see, well, how do we do more in the area of recording services and live streaming? Yeah. That there is a, there's this, a healthy population of this church who love Hope Covenant, who have been here for 20 to 30 years, but are at a stage of life now where... Um, they like to stay warmer uh, during the winter months. Yeah. And so they'd say, well, man, we'd really love, or even some young families who were like, man, we'd love to be connected, but honestly, sometimes Sunday morning, it's it's difficult. Our kids are, you know, it's just hard. It's yeah. just, you know, we're going a million different directions. And so we had said, well, you know, okay, but on a priority list, this is probably not the highest priority. Our priority at the time was just like really getting our groove, figuring out, uh, where we need to go, what was God calling us to do, how do we continue to kind of invest in children's ministry and, and a youth ministry and Sunday morning, like kind of kind yeah. of establishing the the presence piece and really getting a rhythm there. Well, eight months ago, you really didn't need a huge online presence like you do right now anyway. Right, yeah. And, and again, the, the voices we'd hear, we recognize, but knew that we would address that. It wasn't going to be the highest priority. Yeah. Well, then everything obviously changed in March. And so now we've done a 180-degree flip. Mm. So right now, everything is virtual. Everything is online. Everything is through Zoom. Everything is through YouTube. Everything is that way. But that won't be forever. Yeah. And so there's an argument that says, well, we'll just go back to the way it was. And I've continued to kind of articulate, I just don't think that normal is what we think it is. Yeah. That normal for us is going to be something that will be nuanced and distinct from what it was on March 15th when we went into this mode of operation or March 11th, whenever that was. Yeah. So can you, you and I have talked through this, but as we now think about preparing for a ministry that will be public and public plus, yeah. let's first begin with why, why do we still need to be developing an online presence when there will be a day when we can have public ministry and people will be in this building again? I think the answer is in that nuance that you mentioned is that that normal and in-person isn't going to be with the same people in the building because of there, there's going to be sections of our, of our whole society and sections, I think, of this congregation that are not going to be safe enough to come to the church and and whether they're compromised themselves or or 
they're perfectly healthy, but they test positive for COVID or just what? There's a bunch of things that could stop someone from being able to safely enter the building and safely be a part of morning church. And so to, to have church be a loss, a complete loss because of something that is beyond one's control, I think is, is really just, that's really tough and it's really avoidable for it to be complete loss. And so that's where, that's one of the things, and it's not the only thing, but it's one of the things is that there are people in this congregation that love this church, that want to be a part of it, that even though Hope Live isn't the same thing as, as in person, mm-hmm. and we've, we've been feeling that and talking about how it's not the same, right. but still there's value in something versus nothing. And then I see my role as providing that something and then making that something as good as it possibly can be. And along the lines of what's already been happening on Sunday mornings with Hope Live, with just an adaptation for for the in-person aspect as well. Right. So, yeah. yeah so one of the things I hear, and I, I definitely appreciate because we're on the same page of that, is the virtual never, it, it won't replace the, no. the public version, the in-person version. Um, but it it is a way to maintain a degree of connectivity and also... Uh, outreach into new um, yeah. new segment populations of people that we can connect with with the message of what God is doing here at Hope and within his church. That's the that's the fun part that that I see as at least partially in a, 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 it's one of the bullet items I think on my role is is one very important role is what we just talked about with continuing to maintain connectedness for the existing congregation. And then and then growing the outreach. I mean, we're even just looking at like some of our analytics and some of our data stuff. We've had people come through. Uh, we've had people be able to see our ministry and to hear the gospel from Hope Covenant, from Hope Live. That I mean, we saw a comment a couple of weeks ago that was just, "I'm trying this out for the first time," mm-hmm. and they had presumably they were just you know, scrolling for some yeah. kind of live church and found us. Why that happened, I don't know. We didn't, we haven't put any money into promoting our, our posts. It's, it was just sitting there and God put that together. Yeah. And so that kind of thing is a way for people to, if we get the gospel into somebody's ears, we're doing our job. Yeah. Because at that point, it's between, uh, this like, This is more my personal perspective mm-hmm. too, but if, if we, like I said, if we get the gospel to someone and he can handle it from there. I mean, he can handle it anyway, but at that mm-hmm. point, it's especially between him and them. So being able to get this current iteration of Hope Live, you know, Hope Live season one on this stage, and then hopefully someday, um, someday soon, Hope Live season two on the on the old but new stage, um, you know, just all that is very important, I think, for outreach as well. So I see that as a big part too for for the recognition and the the being able to go where hands and feet and conversations literally just cannot because of a myriad of factors. Yep. And yeah. So when we talk about, um, so right now we're sitting in a space where we've been doing Hope Live, which is a modified stage space. It's in proximity to the sound booth. Eventually, uh, hopefully this week, we, we're going to kind of modify and begin to create the environment that can be conducive to both public ministry and, and online streaming. Um, I think what I'd like people to hear from us is a desire to create the best of both worlds. Yeah. What are the things that you are doing in this new role to help us so that the, the live in-person ministry that will take place in the future is just as 
um, valuable and a priority and, and, and also uh, complements what we also want to do from a virtual streaming component. Yeah, I, I think, well, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about this and Rachel and I have talked to that when we, have, when we go back to the, the dual ministry reality, we're both on in person and we are doing the in-person, or sorry, we're doing in-person and live. Uh, we don't want, I don't want it to be, it's Hope Live with the studio audience. I, I don't want it to be just a show that people watch. I, I think one of the most powerful things about church and what will be the most powerful thing about church as this time continues um, is, is the ability to get in it together and to to worship and hear the hear the word and to see each other and just the 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 pure emotional positives of being able to be around our body of believers is the most valuable thing. And so for me, I see live stream as not taking a backseat as in it matters less, but just as far as the presentation. And this is where my TV production mentality comes into it, that the difference between a talk show, you know, like let's say like the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon, he's talking to the camera and the, and the audience is there to enjoy what he does. And he kind of addresses the audience as well, but it's very much about the TV audience versus here is going to be a lot more about the church services happening. And then the live stream is there to, take that that's already happening and get that out into spaces where the physical space can't reach. And so that's going to, that's going to mean our control room is going in where the old parent room was. And that is, it was a conversation with Kathy and Pam about how do we care for parents that need Mm -hmm. to help their kids and need to, um, you know, need to take a a break or take a step away. How do we still care for them? And I think there are, we're, we're looking at more options on how to do that. But the value for that room is that we don't have to build a booth anywhere. We don't have to have a whole another structure in the sanctuary that could distract, that takes away seating. You know, that room is just tucked in a way. The only person that's really going to be out in the sanctuary where they usually weren't is uh, we're probably going to have a camera person on the floor um, kind of towards the center to be able to capture the stage. But that, but, but in the back of the room, yeah, in the back of the again, room, again exactly. to minimize the the interference, if you will, yeah. with the live experience. Absolutely, that's 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 the most important thing for me is to to interfere to get both realities, and this is part of Rachel and my task to figure out how to get both realities to exist in the most cooperative way where each one is stepping on each other's toes the least amount possible. And and that makes it sound like they're in contention, which which we're not, but just getting both products as good as they can be without sacrificing one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And again, one of, I think, uh, the major benefits and the blessing that I see from the Lord of having you uh, come on board and then Caleb still being here as a, a support, at least uh, through the middle of June, is that we don't know what this summer is going to look like. And at the very least now, uh, we know that we have a number of options that we can pursue and that we have the technical expertise to be able to do that well. And what that means for Hope Covenant, what it means for those that have benefited and have been stayed connected to the Ministry of Hope Covenant is um, it just allows us to, to continue to create ways to stay connected and do the things we really talk about. And that's that idea of gathering and that we do gathering well and that we're growing and there are provide opportunities for our people to go deeper in their, uh, in their walk with Jesus. And then ultimately there's a sending agent as well, the going component. And those three things that we kind of 
we kind of build everything around are still things that we can do. And we have, again, the, the great blessing is having uh, you guys in this space with us now to help us continue to think through that and to do that well. Yeah. The last thing I just want to acknowledge too, is that um, you, uh, so approximately about 20 hours a week is kind of your commitment level that we are, are calling you to or inviting you into. And that five of those hours is going to be committed into youth ministry. Yeah. And the reason why um, I was excited about this is, number one, is I think you have clear gift in this area. You have experience in this area, specifically at Hope as well. But one of the things that, um, you know, is as excellent as Rachel is, and this is clearly no knock on her, is that she's going to have the the greatest access to young girls. I mean, that's going to be like, she's going to have the greatest impact and be able to spend the the most time with um, girls in our, in our youth ministry. And it's going to be a struggle for her as a female to engage uh, our young men. Yeah. And so bringing you on board uh, and even though it's five hours, uh, those five hours are going to be really strategically directed towards mentoring. Yeah and investing in the lives of our young men, letting them know that they are known, uh, taking them out for coffee, and just developing that relationship. I'm, I'm really excited about that piece as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I can safely say equally excited because I think that uh, there's a level of perspective you, has, you have as a father of, of right. one of those potentially involved yep. young boys that I don't have. But that, that is not to say that I'm not excited, and I, I really am. Um, I've been blessed with more mentors and more wise men in my life as I've grown both as, as a kid and even through college and and now still uh, I've just been nearly inundated with having so many resources and a network to reach out to. And so part of that for me is, is an opportunity from the Lord to pay it, pay it back or pay it forward or something. I, that I got poured into. And so now it's my turn to pour into others as well. And, I mean, I grew up at youth group. I was I was homeschooled for most of well, from middle school and a good chunk of high school before I went to to public school, and so youth group was my social interaction. It was where I, you know, got recognition from other friends, recognition from the leaders. Where I I learned a lot of whatever school, social skills I did pick up. Like that was really a huge growth area for me, and I want to be able to help with that for for the guys that are going to be involved with HTY too. Yeah. And imagine what your your experience would have been like had you been homeschooled and then gone to the better high school in Rochester, Minnesota. I would have just been really set you ahead. I mean, you're still you're still pretty far ahead, but just well, can you only imagine the possibilities? Well, that year I would have been heartbroken having to lose to JM in the football section finals. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I'm well aware of the, uh, but I think that's very Minnesotan though. The very Minnesotan is to have this complex of saying you're so close and yet so far away. So I yeah. feel like the Mayo High School experience was much more true to the Minnesota experience of talent, but just not quite enough um, to get us over the top. So on that highly spiritual note, (laughs) uh, again, deeply grateful for the way that God works and uh, the ability of Hope Covenant to kind of pivot, not from, not to move away from its central values, uh, but to be able to pivot well and continue to uh, uh, live into this vision of being hope for life of the world and being able to do that now in a way um, that is just hopefully going to connect well with an emerging audience, yeah. realizing that technology is a huge piece to our future. So Mitchell, thank you for accepting this call 
and uh, we embrace you as as some as a member of our family, Thank and you. we're super excited about the future that's in front of us. Uh, yeah, I have two thoughts if I may tack them on. First one is that um, part of this technology ministry is needing people to help do the thing. I mean, Caleb is a blessing, and he's also not going to be around for the duration of at least the the time that I'll be here. And so there's going to be uh, plenty of opportunities and handles for people to get involved and to help with a myriad of things as far as technology ministry goes. So this is kind of an offer to go, you know, I'll put that out there for people to reach out and to try to get involved and, and to, to help develop this ministry. Cause I'm, I am not capable of doing all this on my right. own. And I, part of that, that I'm excited about, about technology ministry is the chance to use it to minister both outwardly and the same way kind of a worship ministry does a ministering inwardly too and helping develop a team and develop people to to succeed in you know practical real world production ways and in spiritual ways um so reach out to me or anybody else that knows how to get to me if you would are interested um second point is happy birthday brian congratulations on being on this earth for another year another year it's it's been a real blessing to have you as as the leader here for my two months, and I have no doubt that blessing will continue. So thank you. Well, you are welcome. And yes, it is a good reminder that as we ramp up, um, that this is going to be the the role of volunteer will be different than it was yeah. in March. Big time. And while I'd always say the church needs to continue to develop leaders and volunteers um, that we can't do without them, um, I don't think I don't think it's an understatement to say that I believe um, that churches will rise or fall in their ability to care for, develop, and utilize volunteers. And I think in this new season of social distancing and and keeping things clean and um, just all the different protocols that are going to be in place, um, the role of the volunteer at this church will be essential. And technology is a piece of that. So you're right, and that's why training was a big piece of, of, uh, of of your call here. Yeah. And thank you for the greetings, the birthday greetings. Uh, And so there you go, Hope Covenant. And those that are tuning in, this is Stories of Hope with Mitchell Barnhart. This is May 11th, which, by the way, is also, we should not neglect the birth date of our great state of Minnesota, 1858, the 32nd state of the Union. It is also Minnesota's birthday date. I'm not a true Minnesotan. I didn't even know that. There you go. Wow. Is that a Mayo High School thing? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, I also just knew that it was on my birthday, so that was always a little bit of a All right, there you go. Hope Covenant signing off. See ya Sunday.